so when I was writing the book, first off, to be honest with you, I actually wrote an entire book, and then I was like, no, nah, I don't want this. I'm gonna write another one. I so I wrote it. two books to get this I this get one it, out. Man. But um, but when I was writing it, I was like, okay, so so if the book is on taking action, if I look at 1,300 podcast episodes I've created, I was like, what's the main thing I teach people to do? Is I teach them basically. Like they're, they're given the most complex piece of machinery in the entire universe in between their ears, but they have no idea. Like we have, we have no manual of how to use it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, the majority of the time, what I do is I give people like mindset tips and tricks to mm -hmm. basically get out of their own way. And then, so I was like, I'm gonna write a book on taking action then. And so as I was thinking about writing the book, I was like, well then why don't people take action? Like, cause it's not, like you said, it's not hard. Like I always tell people, if I could give you like a, f a switch where you could just turn it off, like the prefrontal cortex part mm -hmm. of your brain that just thinks and turn off your amygdala and you could just, just go, oh, this is all I need to do to be successful. Like everybody would go do it. Totally. And so with, with fear, so in this chapter on fear, it says, it says, it doesn't surprise me that one of the most common questions that clients ask me is how do I get rid of my fear? I get it. Who doesn't want to learn how to overcome their fears? But the answer is you can't overcome something that doesn't exist. Spouse, That's right. Man. Every single one of your fears isn't real. Don't believe me? Think of your number one fear and ask yourself, is it coming to fruition in this moment? And so it says, Carl and consultant Carl Albrecht defined fear as an anxious feeling caused by our anticipation of some imagined event or experience. The key word in that definition is imagined. That fear is a biological reaction to what you're thinking, not what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And so when I like actually started breaking down fear, because I was like, okay, there's there's three reasons why someone doesn't take action. Number one is their identity, how they perceive themselves based off of their childhood, their parents, what they yep. told them, all of that. Yep. Heartbreaks, all of life. So identity is one of them. The other side is what they're afraid of. And the other one is they don't actually know their true purpose. Like they're not driven by something mm. that actually makes them want to work. It's good. And so with fear... I broke it down and I said, all right, let me look at fears. And I had a conversation a few years ago with one of my good friends who went to Brazil and lived in Brazil with it, like a native Brazilian tribe, like had to get on a boat and for two days went <laughs> into the middle of nowhere. Like there's no roads <laughs> to where they are, like tribal people, right? Dang. And had to walk around everywhere with the machete because he's like, if you see a Jaguar, like it's too late. It's been seeing <laughs> you for a long time and now it's allowing you to see it. And so it was like, and, and this is a crazy thing he said to me is he goes, he looks at me like dead in the eye and he goes, what's crazy about it? None of these people have depression. None of them are depressed. Yeah. And he goes, the reason why is because they're so consumed with primal fears that they don't have time for it. And so I was like, okay. So if we look at fear, fear, we can have primal fears, which then you say, well, what is a primal fear? It means that, that physical pain or death could potentially be attached to it. That's a primal fear in the way I, I categorize in the book. Everything else is an intellectual fear, which means it's just made up in our mind. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at the majority of the time, I say, I mean, you're a public speaker. You probably see this all the time, right? You're like, what holds people back the most? What fears? Um, fear of failure is a huge one. Fear of being rejected. Mm -hmm. uh, fear of being abandoned. Um, fear of being found out as a fraud, like an imposter. Mm -hmm. None of those are actually real. They're all just no. perceptions of the yeah. mind. And so what's crazy about it is we're like, how do we overcome fears? How do we overcome fears? How do we overcome fears? way you overcome is find out literally they don't even actually truly exist. <laughs> like they're the not best. real, you know, it's like the they're best. not there. And so it's all based off our perception. So if we can just change our perception of, of the way that we see it, like failure, right? Mm -hmm. Like so many people, I did a, 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 a Zoom call uh, last week talking about the book and I was like, everyone put your number one fear that's holding you back in the chat. And 90% of them probably were the fear of failure. Totally. And I was like, what is failure in the first place? Like it's not something to be afraid of, especially when you realize like, I don't know about you, but I've, I've failed a ton. 
in my life. Everybody, totally. But it's just a it's just a learning lesson is all that it is. And so when people can understand that there's no actual way to overcome fear if it's an intellectual fear because it actually doesn't really exist, then you can start to understand like you're basically creating the boogeyman and then fighting hmm. the boogeyman all day instead of actually just taking the action that you need to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then interesting too, like when you have that fear, it's like what's the worst that can happen? And right. We know there's studies that it's. Like, I think it was Lafrain and Newman did a study is 92.28% of worst case scenario fears never even come true. And people no. spend 25% of the day worrying about those. Yeah. And then when you break it down, like, what is the worst that can happen in this fear is you're the worst is you die. Yeah. And then you're dead. Yeah. And then you don't have to and worry, worry about, about it. It. <laughs> it frees you up incredibly, yeah. a, a huge amount. Yeah. How do you, so how do you reprogram the brain in terms of the neuroplasticity? What are some tools, tips that people can be doing? Cause they're listening yeah. to you right now. Like Rob, that sounds great. And I'm excited in the moment, but I know when I turn this podcast off, mm-hmm. like I don't really know what to do. Yeah. Well, so first off, people need to know that they can actually change your brain. Like that's an actual fact. You can change your exactly. brain. Exactly. Which is what I do love. I think that's the best part about being a human is, is I have, like you can see right here, I have a tattoo of a, X, a Roman mm-hmm. numeral X with a line above it. That's Roman numeral for 10,000. Because mm-hmm. I love the idea of the 10,000 hour rule, which mm-hmm. is like, I can master anything. And, yeah. and what I need to do is just figure out the one thing that I want to master. You know, like I know you used to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Basketball is my thing. And then I realized at six foot two, I stopped growing. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. I'm white. Dude, I can't, I can't jump. I can't, I'm six foot two, white. I can't jump. I'm not that fast. I realized in high school, I was like, yeah, this, it's not going to work out for me. I'm glad you realized that before <laughs> me. I kept thinking I was going to make the NBA. Yeah. You know, so that was always my dream. And it's like, I could have put my time into trying to get there. But I was like, ah, I guess this isn't my thing. And then yeah. I found what I do now. And I'm like, I'm so obsessed with it that I just want to master this thing. Yeah, right? yeah I can tell. And, um, and you know, the, the thing about it that's, that's interesting about neuroplasticity is that is your brain actually has the ability to change itself. Now, when you're zero to seven years old, it's the most mm-hmm. uh, plastic. You can mm-hmm. change it very easily. From seven to 25 is the second easiest. And then after 25, it's not. It's not true that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It just takes a lot more exactly. time and intention right. to do right. so. So there's three ways that your brain changes. So there's there's chemical is the first way it changes. The second one is structural and the, the third one is functional. And so uh, if you look at chemical, like I've, I've uh, sat down and tried to play the piano before and I can sit down and learn Mary Had a Little Lamb and I could be like, man, I'm making some pretty good progress today. And then I can come back a week later and I'm like, oh, damn, like I don't really remember everything. It's not fully there. It's because you only had like a short term chemical change in your brain. How do you create more of a structural change, which is the next step, is you have to do it over and over and over and over and over again, which is your brain will actually start to change. And so there's a um, there's a test that's a thing that's called the knowledge, which is in London. When you want to become a London taxi cab driver, you have to memorize every Mm. single street. It's like 20,000 streets, I think, is what Mm. it is. And they measure their brain, just normal guys off the street who want to become taxi cab drivers. They measure their brain before they become a taxi cab driver, and they measure it three years later. And the spatial recognition part of their brain actually grows and changes over those three years. So the structure of someone's brain can actually change the more that you use it over and over again. Then what happens is the function of your brain will actually start to change. So one of the studies that's really interesting inside of the the book that I put is um, they did a... um, a study on pianists, people who are really good in, in piano, like mm-hmm. masters. And when they would sit down and play a piece, they would play a piece. But if they said, okay, go ahead and solo and just play whatever, play off of, you know, what key it's in, you know, the, the chords are supposed to be hitting, just solo. 
What was interesting about it is the function of their brain was different than another person. So if someone is like a year into playing, their brain would send a whole lot of blood to the parts of your brain that, that are in control of like thinking. But what was really interesting is that when someone's a master at it, your brain would act, their brains would actually send less blood flow to it because it's not required. Yes. Because the function of their point. brain has changed so much that actually just the flowing out of them becomes very automatic. And so I think it's important for people to understand, like, if they find out what it is that they want to go at, you know, there is the, the first of making yourself take action. But then that's also why purpose is really important. Is like, what's your purpose for wanting to do this? Because mm -hmm. if it's just like money, you know, you get to a point where you're like, you make enough money, you're like, it's not really that mm. rewarding. But if there's yeah, something man, else good. to it, um, I think it's really important for people to understand that, that that's what's going to make you continue to keep showing up and enjoy showing up. Um, yeah, so that's that's the basics of it. Mm. And then what I talk about is is I think goals are actually really set incorrectly by people. And totally I did agree. wrong for years, like totally for a agree. very long time. Totally agree. Um, my whole thing was I'm kind of sadistic in the way that I'll like I'll just work and I won't I don't deserve shit until I get to my goal like I was always that way for a really long time right <laughs> I get it and um the problem with that is that your your brain whenever you hit a goal whenever you whenever something exciting happens releases dopamine mm -hmm. and that's great but I would say I'm not going to be proud of myself I'm not going to be excited until I get you know like somebody sure. could say until I lose 40 pounds I'm not gonna be proud of myself until I lose 40 pounds and that's fine and all but that is what's called a, what I call in the book, a results-based goal, which is mm -hmm. I'm going to base my goals based off of results, which is important to have. But then after that, what you need to do is create action-based goals, which is what are the actions I need to take? And when I take that action, I need to reward myself in some sort of way. Money. Could be a piece Love of chocolate. It. Piece of chocolate will raise your dopamine 150%. It could be literally just celebrating yourself. And so like after you get done, like I do four podcast episodes a week and I'll just crank them out. After every single one of them, I change my shirt. I go in the bathroom and I'm like, you fucking crushed it. Dude. You did so well. And I build myself up because yeah, then I get excited sure, and I'm like, sure, I want to go sure. do it again. And so we could say, okay, when I, when I lose 40 pounds, I'll celebrate myself. Or we could say, when I show up to the gym, I'll celebrate myself. When I get done with set one, set two, set three, set four, set five, every single one of those sets, I'll celebrate myself, which then makes your body want to show up, your brain and body want to show yeah. up again so that you can start getting more dopamine because dopamine is an externally uh, focused chemical to actually go out and say, okay, this is the thing that I want. I want more dopamine. I'm going to go go get it. And yeah. if you look at the most addictive drugs in the world, they're all very high dopamine drugs. So like cocaine will raise your 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 dopamine 250%. That alone will raise it 250%. So will jumping inside of an ice plunge, right? <laughs> It'll raise it 250% as well. Yeah. And so it's like, how do I create my goals and see my long-term success of what I want? But then how do I take it real short-term mm. for today and say, when I do these steps, I will celebrate myself and then in turn be able to, uh, you know, get myself addicted to the process. All right. So I've, I've been asked multiple times, am I still in college? No, I'm not. I kind of wish I was. But the reason I get asked that is because my skin still looks so young. I'm far from college, trust me. And I haven't always had the best skin either, like blemishes. Just six months ago, I had a huge, massive breakout, but that doesn't happen anymore. And honestly, it is because of one skin. I'm a true believer in what one skin is doing they are addressing the skin at a molecular level targeting root causes not just the the topical and, and trying to take blemishes away but they're actually they're, they're working on the root cause of what a, what ages skin and functionalities and makes it feel and look younger and they can actually reverse the age of your skin yeah 
Nobody else is doing that. My wife and I, Taylor, who's got beautiful skin, even more beautiful now, we went up to headquarters in San Francisco and watched how it all was done. Growing skin, the testing that they're doing, their one skin body, one skin prep, one skin topical supplement. They're changing it. They are reversing. They're anti-aging, anti-aging, reinvented. So one skin, if you want to... if you want your money maker, your skin, the, the biggest organ in your body to be taken care of at the best level, this is for you. Oneskin.co, C-O, and the code for 15% off is David15. The link will also be in the show notes. That's oneskin.co, David15, and reverse your age. That's a beautiful outlook and addicted to the process. I love yeah. that. And I know you've talked about it too, like the the first hundred feet and just chunking it up because Mm -hmm. it becomes very overwhelming for people of anything they want to accomplish is, well, that looks really daunting. And you see people nowadays on easy to see the success of people on social media and want that, but understand that you haven't walked in their shoes, the miles that they Mm -hmm. put in to Mm -hmm. be able to get to that point. And just, it's, it's daunting. I think you do a great job of, you know, you said purpose, you have to have purpose. Mm -hmm. You have to have consistency. The answer to everything is consistency. That's Mm -hmm. not sexy, but the sexiest word no one wants to hear, but it is everything. You've talked about the 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 figure it outness. Mm -hmm. You had that that you talked about. Is there anything else in terms of like let's say somebody has a big vision for their future Mm -hmm. and it is it's it's really daunting. They want to take action. They've got a little bit of a game plan. You think there's anything that we're missing in there? In terms of like, if you have, we'll run it back again, purpose, consistency, the ability to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else we're missing in there that is like a a formulaic need for long-term growth? Chunking up the small goals, yeah, but long-term growth. What are the traits that you've seen? Because you worked with hundreds of top performers. What are some traits that you've seen? The, The biggest one, I think, is, so when you say the 100 feet, is the example that I give is like, when you're gonna go and you're gonna um, you're gonna go do you're gonna get in your car and you're gonna drive somewhere, right? Like I live in we were talking about it right before we started. I live in Austin. I have a friend who lives in Houston. I can't see the entire path there. If I get in my car at night, I can't see more than 100 feet in front of me. But once I get past those 100 feet, I can see the next 100 feet, and I can see the next 100 feet. But I can't see the next 100 feet until I get there. And so the example, like I think of, like with writing a book. That took three years to do. It was, it was, it was, yeah. I'm, I'm lucky that I was so ignorant to how much time it would take and how much, love, oh my God, it? it's, it's a, it's a whole thing. So the, and a good example is like, I had this feeling in 2020, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. And so I call up my friend, we were just talking about him. I call up Hal Elrod and I'm like, Hey, he wrote the miracle warning. <laughs> one of the most successful self-published books that's ever come out. Right. And I'm like, Hey man, Crazy. should I do self-published or should I do traditional? And he's like, if there were anybody else in the world, I'd probably say self-published, but for you, you should go traditional. I was like, well, so that's like the first hundred feet. And I was like, yeah. so what do I do? Like, I don't know what this looks like. I have no idea of this path. And he goes, um, well, what you should do is you should get on the phone with my agent, my book agent and talk to him about it. I was like, all right, cool. Next hundred feet opens up. I, I can see a little bit further. I get on the phone with his, his agent, John, tell him my book idea. He's like, this is great. He's like, I would love to work with you. And I was like, okay, cool sign a contract. He's like, I'm going to get you onto a phone call with a bunch of publishers. Next hundred feet pops up, right? Get on a phone call with publishers, present it to them. They come back and they, they offer advances. And I'm like, oh damn, they think this is a good idea. I might as well do it. So then I start, you know, I sign with them. Next hundred feet opens up. I start putting a process of, you know, putting the book together, all of this. And so it's like, I didn't see the whole entire process of the past three years. 
But I just took the next step that I was supposed to, and it eventually mm. got me to where I wanted to be. And here's <laughs> the most important part of it. To, to answer the, the original question was that the reason why I created the book was, number one, I hate writing. I hate sending text messages. I hate sending emails. I would rather just talk, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I send voice messages. That's how, yeah. I, that's how I roll. Noted. So to sit down and write something is like painstaking for yeah. me. Um, and so the, the reason why I did those, because in 2020, I was like, if you look at the podcast, it, I love it. It's like my baby. It's like the most important thing I feel like I've done in this world. But it is sometimes I talk about anxiety and sometimes I talk about tips to success and sometimes mm -hmm. I talk about um, mm -hmm. money mindset. It's kind of a little bit sporadic. It's all about life, but it's a little bit sporadic. I was like, I want if, if I died right now, I would have a good amount of stuff where people could just go and they could listen to a podcast. But there's not like a step by step from start to beginning. Mm. This is exactly a change of life. And so I was That's like, good. I think I've got knowledge. I want to put it into a book. And so the most important part of it was that I, I knew that some people don't listen to podcasts and some people prefer books and some people prefer, you know, Kindles or audiobooks or all of that. And so I was like, I need to create a book because that's just another realm where I need to impact people. So the most important part of it and the reason why I kept doing it and, and kept on this road was because the purpose that was behind it, which was my why, like sure. why I wanted it to For happen sure. um, was because, you know, when I was a child, I went through, you know, I, I, my reason of why I do what I do is because I went through a lot of suffering having an alcoholic father and a father that passed away when I was 15 and the trauma that comes from that. And my goal in life is that I don't want people to suffer the way that I suffered. And I feel like I've got some tools in my tool belt to help mm. people not suffer. And I just want to share it. I feel obligated to share it. If yep. God gave me these struggles, then clearly he wants me to learn from it. And if I can teach it and help other people, oh, I will. Good. And so, um, so I think the most important part of it that people don't really pay attention to is like, why? Why are you going to do it? And an example I give in the book, I should give you the real example. The example in the book was kind of um, not dumbed down, but it was, it was a little bit nicer than the true story. Sure. I had a client uh, seven years ago, and his goal was he wanted to, he was a one-on-one -on -one client. He wanted to make $100,000 for the year. Um, and in, I was like, okay, why do you want to make $100,000 this year? He's like, well, I've never made $100,000. I think it'd be nice to make that. Okay. Why is that? And I did this thing called seven levels of why, where you just yeah. see why, 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 yeah. why? Because eventually you get past people's BS, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it got to the point where his original goal was I want to make $100,000 because I've never done it before. It got to the point, <clears throat> and this is the actual true story. It's not the non, the less nicer version, mm, right? Mm. They didn't want to publish this, these exact words. Where <laughs> his ex-wife uh, had custody of his two children, and he lived in a bad part of town in New York, and so did his ex-wife. And his biggest fear in the world was that his daughter would be pregnant by 13 years old and his son would be shot in a drive-by because he knew someone else's son who was killed in a drive-by. And so whenever I talked to him and he was wanting to make money, it was never about making money. It was always, hey, how much closer are you to buying that house, putting the down payment down and moving your children into a better part of town? And that's what drove mm. him versus mm. just the money. It's the same goal, but the reason why he wanted to hit the goal was completely different. And he started taking way more action because it wasn't just about, I want to make money. It was, I want to provide, provide totally. a better life for it's my good. children. And so I think mm -hmm. the biggest part that's usually messed, missed is that people have to have a why. And, and my very first coach used to always say to me, uh, when your why is strong enough, your how will reveal itself. You'll figure out how it needs to be done mm -hmm. no matter what. I always tell people like, whenever I used to give a lot of speeches, I would go, hey, everybody here, what's the percentage chance that you're going to make a million dollars legally in the next 12 months? And everyone's like, 0%, 0, 0, 0, 1%. There might be one like really confident person. It's like 5%. And I go, okay, 
what's the percentage chance of you making a million dollars legally this year if you don't everyone that you love dies <laughs> and everyone goes 100%, 100%, 1000%. And I said, what changed? I said, Super your goal didn't good. change, right? Your time frame didn't change. What changed? You actually give a shit. That's, that's the difference. Money. And so yeah. I think that's important is that people need to have a real reason why they want to do something or else they'll uh, give up. Okay. So what I'm about to tell you is going to literally blow your mind. It did mine. For a month now, I have been trying out Go Exec. I'm gonna tell you what this is. So just to preface, I always look for the extra added advantage, the 1% edge, and, and usually it's something physical or you know it's something mental, but I've never found the balance of the two. And it's, it's crazy because as being a, a type A, very driven person and I want to just have great impact, I don't get a whole lot of sleep, I work a lot of hours, there is stress, frequent travel, I mean, raise your hand if you can, uh, y y yeah, you really relate to that. But what GoExec is doing is the mental and physical balance. Now, they've bridged the gap between mental health, physical health, high quality, scientifically formulated nutraceuticals. So let's have an ingredient spotlight here, BioPQQ. You know what that is? Yeah, I didn't either, but now I do. Energy, endurance, and longevity, scientifically shown to slow the aging process, increase energy levels, and improve cognitive function. It has won award after award for the best ingredients that are used for the mental and physical performance of best science. PQQ is naturally occurring essential nutrient found in foods such as kiwi, green peppers, potatoes, tofu, and green tea. So what, what GoExec is doing, they're putting this into pill form and you literally, physically, and mentally are more focused, less stress, longevity, you're on fire. It's been great for me. And for me, being a high performer, it's tough to tough to see the change a lot, you know? But I actually have been feeling it. And what GoExec is doing, because they are so cool, awesome people over there at GoExec.com, G-O-E-X-E-C.com, stands for Go Execute, 20% off. David Nurse 20 is going to be your code. David Nurse 20 at checkout, GoExec.com dot com trust me you're going to be on fire like i am go check it out right dude that's powerful that's powerful and what i'm hearing you to talk about through this podcast and, and before we jumped on here is a huge thing that i think holds a lot of people back is the power of asking the power of genuinely asking and it's hard man it's hard and i had this conversation with a friend of mine dan fleischman you might know dan mm -hmm. and he just told me he's like He's like, dude, stop acting like, like like feeling so bad about asking. Just ask. The yeah. things you're doing are going to help other people. We yeah. want to bless you with that. And yeah. it opened up a whole new mindset for myself of like, if what you're doing is for the purpose of serving others mm -hmm. and helping others, if you don't ask, that becomes selfish because now you're losing these steps that can help many mm -hmm. others. And I feel like I, I, you've mentioned it a few times, but is there any way that you've improved on that or is it just like hey you just know that like we don't know everything and it's totally okay to mm -hmm. admit we don't know anything mm -hmm. and we have to ask for others help yeah well asking for help i think is first off i was i was i was used to doing everything by myself for the longest time and i think it's you know when, when i look at my childhood my sister was six and a half years older than me so when my parents got divorced 
My sister was 16, about to turn 17. So I was what they call like a, a latchkey kid. I mm. would let myself in at eight, mm. eight years old. I'd be home all by myself. I was always by myself. So I got used to like, if I'm, my mindset was, my paradigm was, if I want it done, I have to do it myself. And no one really cares about me yeah. as much as I'll care about sure. me. And um, we can keep that paradigm if we want to, but it's not going to be serving any sort of way if we're trying to build a big mission. Uh-huh. For me, uh-huh. like, you know, it's been a, the past five years we built a, a company, we have, you know, 30 employees now. It, I could not do what I do now. I couldn't be here with you and try to run that company. I have to have other people that I can trust and ask for help. And one of the biggest things I find with people is they have trouble asking for help totally. or asking for anything. And totally. one of the, the things I think is super important, though, in the way that we operate is it's, it's easy. You can ask for help, but it's also easier to operate in this world if you're just always trying to serve and help other people. Because if you're trying to help other people, there is just this innate part of us, which is a law of reciprocity, mm-hmm. which is when you help somebody, they do feel like they want to help you out too. Yeah. And so there is, there is like the, the benefit of like, okay, or the, the benefit of, of growing the muscle of like asking for help when you need it. And so many people are willing to give you help. It's like insane how many yeah. people will. Sure, absolutely. So many people will offer you help when you've already offered them help as well. Yes. And I think that's an important piece, which is the law of reciprocity, which is that's, just like, yeah. I will I will do whatever you need me to do. Let me know and I can help you. Let me know what's going on. Mm. Because naturally they're going to be like, you know what? This person helped me. They're not They're not just trying to do it for themselves. One of the things that drives me the craziest, man, <laughs> is I get, I don't, I don't ever have people on my podcast, just me speaking. Yeah. I get hundreds of messages from people. Like we literally have an inbox that just, they just go into of people just asking to be on my podcast, asking me on my podcast. <laughs> I have no idea who they are. And they, they don't start with, can I serve first? Um, they always start sure. with, can I get something totally. first? And so I think that's an important piece of like, of if you think about it, it's like grow the muscle of trying to ask for help when you, whenever you do need help, yeah. but also grow the muscle of like trying to serve more and people will just naturally ask you if they can help. Man, I love that. And I mean, that's what makes the joy of life what it is, the relationships mm-hmm. that we build, the way that we serve others. It all yeah. comes back in the end. As long as you're not in a freaking hurry yeah, and you just you play the long game, yeah. play the serve game. A hundred percent. It's crazy because you cannot generate anything by yourself. Like this book, hopefully this book is a New York Times bestseller. That's mm-hmm. what we're, we're, we're praying. We're speaking life over it, but it's not going to happen by you and only you. It's right. going to be the doors open by other people that you yeah. have poured into and yeah. that you have served. And that what's been interesting to me is, is we did decide to have like a book launch team of how many people just wanted to help just because they wanted help. And it yeah. was crazy how many people were just like, hey, can I help? Can I help? Can I yeah. help? And I was like, shit, this is crazy. Like so many people actually just care. And, and um, I think it's important for, for as we think about it is like we – there's a lot of people out there who just want something for themselves, but there's a, a lot more people out there that just actually want to help. Yeah. They want to help people. They want to serve in some sort of way, and they want to feel like what they're doing is is valuable Big in time. this world. Money. And um, yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, there's so many, the, the person that I know that is the best at it, we were just literally talking about it right before we started, was John Rulin. Mm. He is the most giving person I've ever seen. <laughs> there's been times when he literally is like, you know, he wrote that book, Giftology, and yeah. it's literally all about giving and yep. he is legit the person that he talks about in the book like you know people can write a book yes. and say oh i give gifts totally he'll text me out of nowhere i haven't talked to him like six months he's like hey man anybody he called them love bombs he's like yeah. hey anybody i can send some love bombs to and i remember there's there's one person where he's like hey who's the person you want it like who's a person that uh that you want to send a love bomb to like someone who's like really helped you out in the past couple of years you just want to send him a love bomb and um i told him 
And uh, he's like, cool, I'm going to send him a, uh, a $3,000 set of knives. Yep. And I was like, um, you don't have to do that. And he's like, no, no, it's not a big deal. And I was like, I'll try to connect you with him and stuff. He's like, dude, I don't need you to do anything. He's like, he might know who I am. He might not, but I'm just, I'm just confident that if I just give, I'll receive in some sort of, whether it's from him, whether it's from you, whether it's from someone else, that's just the law of the universe that the energy that you give out is the energy that you're going to give back. And, uh, and he's changed my mind a lot on the, on the giving process. Oh, dude, I, he's done that multiple times for me on the yeah. knives. We've done a whole mural for a friend, John yeah. Gordon. He's John Rulin is the real deer. We'll give him this shout out yeah. on here. And he probably FaceTimed you too, didn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah, of course. He's the master. <laughs> Randomly. He's like, <laughs> my, he's like, my kids are in, in the, in the, yeah. the, you know, they're at some soccer practice or something. He's like, I just want to see how you're doing. Right. Like, and you up, don't dude? have your hair combed or anything. You're like all over the place. Like, John, man. Like, shit, okay. I'm sitting on the couch. Yeah, right, yeah. Hey, what's up, man? What's audio, going on? My FaceTime isn't working. Dude, this is amazing, man. What am I not asking you about this book? How valuable level up is? Trust me. I, I listen to your podcast. I know the stuff that's in the book. It's Insane. amazing. Anybody that messages me after listening to this podcast, I'll buy you and send you a book because it's that powerful. October third, the day it comes out. Yeah. What am I not asking? Is there anything else? I mean, obviously, just listen to this. Yeah. It's a no-brainer to go get the book. Yeah. I mean, here's one thing I haven't talked a lot about is, and we kind of have been talking about it, but on, on none of my interviews have I, that I've been talking about the book, have I talked about it, is um, when you're talking about the long game. Uh, I truly believe that slow and steady wins the race. Like we were taught it as a kid. There's literally a picture in the book of, of mm -hmm. the tortoise and the hare. Mm -hmm. And it's so true because there's so many times in my life that I wanted to be further along than I actually was. And I thought I deserved to be further along than I actually was at that moment. And, you know, I remember being like 21 years old and working my working 110 hours a week and working and working and working for years um, when I was still back in Cutco. And I was like, I'm looking at all these people, like, why am I not a millionaire yet? There's so many other millionaires in the world. I'm comparing myself with all these other people, right? Right. Um, now that I'm 37, that was 16 years ago, I'm like, oh, I was comparing myself. I was 21, comparing myself with the guys that are like 63 years old. They're three years, three times my age. They just had more time. And so what I believe, we were, you were talking about the consistency, like, I actually truly believe that if I just show up every single day and I do the things that are right, I will eventually get everything that I want in mm -hmm. this world. But I'm not the one who runs the universe and I'm not in control of when I get it or if I deserve it. And so as long as I just take the right action, eventually it's going to work. I, I just truly 100% believe in that. And so I think a lot of times, you know, if we look at how long a, a human lives, 80 years, um, but the thing I've been saying a lot recently, really like been thinking a lot recently is like, we're so humans, we're so like short term focused. Totally. Where it's like, I've been trying this for three months. Why don't I have this yet? <laughs> right. But then when you look at like God's plan of it, the whole the whole quote I've been saying a lot recently to people is like the whole quote of uh we make plans and God laughs. Mm. Where it's just like mm. it's coming mm. probably ten times better than you could have possibly imagined, right? For and sure. so for me, like with the like I'll, sure. I'll use the podcast as, a, as an example. Like I started in 2015, way before like podcasts were a big thing. And um I was like, it was it was it was picking up and it was doing decently well. And then for about three years, it flatlined. It wasn't bad. The numbers were, were fine. They were good. But it just basically flatlined. It was almost every single month, I could guarantee I was going to be within like 5% of those numbers hmm. for three years straight. But it was enough people listening where I was like, I can't stop. I can't yeah. give up on these people. Sure. And, and then one day, it, there was just like an a uptick. And it never really stopped. And it, it just continued Amazing. to keep going and going and going and going. But it took five years to get to that point before it got that uptick where it's like and it's like the, you know, the 
it's cliche because I think so many people use it nowadays, but it's like the Chinese bamboo where it's like yeah. you put it in there, you yeah. water it for five years before it ever breaks through the surface. And then when it breaks through the surface, it's like grows, I think it's uh, 80 feet in six weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's like you, two feet in a day sometimes. You can literally almost watch it grow. And um, I think that's important for people to understand what success is that if you're taking, if you're, there's, it's very simple. Like this is goals in, in the most simple way I can think about it. Are you heading in the right direction? Are you taking the right action? Those are the only two things that matter. So the only thing, the other thing that you need is time. So I always say DAT, direction, action, time. Am I heading in the right direction of, of what I think my goals are? Am I taking the right action to get there? All right, I'm just going to trust that the maker of this universe thinks that I deserve something and that it's it's eventually um, the value that I put on the world is going to come back to me. And um, when I started the podcast, all I wanted to do is be able to pay my bills. And I never would have guessed if you, if you fast forward eight years that my life could ever be what it is now. Like not even close. I love that. Um, and I think it just is the trust that this feels right to me. Like this is the, the, the path that I should go. Um, you know, the thing that happened with me was I left a job where I was making like 250 grand a year at 29 years old to start a podcast, which makes no sense logically. <laughs> None, right? At all. To make 60 grand a year, maybe. Yeah. That was my goal, make 60 grand a year. And um, now I'm like, I can't believe what this whole thing has yeah. become. I can't believe the podcast is what it is. I can't believe I wrote a book. I can't believe I have 30 employees in my company. I can't it's believe amazing, we've man. trained 1,500 other coaches. <sighs> and so it's like, for me, it's like, I've just been very trusting in if it feels right, I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to die trying. And if it has purpose to it and if it has a why behind it, like I'm talking about and we've been talking about through this episode, then um, if I'm following my purpose, I'm following my why, I will be in internally motivated to do it. And, um, you know, the thing is you said, like, it's funny, like I want this to be a New York times bestseller so bad, but it doesn't mean anything to me. As long as I get emails from people of going, this thing changed my life. Yeah. That makes three years of hardcore effort worth it. And so I think that if people just, just ask themselves, like, what is it that I truly want? What do I feel driven by? Where do I want to go? And and what I want my life to be. And they take the right, they're heading in the right direction. They're taking the right action. Let time pass and it might take five years like it did for me for the podcast to take off. But when it did, I was like, I can't believe what it has become and, and what it's doing in people's lives. And so I think that's the most important part of it is just like heading in the right direction, taking the right action, letting time pass. Because what's crazy about it is when you do eventually get whatever it is that you wanted, it's usually way more than what you want. That's <laughs> Always, the best man. part about it. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's that is a mic drop in itself. One of Rob's favorite words, figure it outness. One of my favorite <laughs> words, don't give upness. And he just hit yes. the nail on the head right there. Thank you, brother. Thank yeah, you for coming. Thank you for on, having man. me, man. Absolutely. This is fun. Appreciate you for uh for taking some time.